Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, in this election, we're going to hold the Senate. We're going to pick up, according to Kevin McCarthy on this program last night, anywhere between 8 and 14 seats in the House. And you should also know that the Democrats hope to flip a couple of state legislatures because it's the big year that's coming for uh, gerrymandering. And in fact, the Republicans flipped two. So down ballot, it was a disastrous night for the Democrats. Disastrous. Whether it's the House, whether it's the Senate, or whether it's the state legislatures. And as also Ken McCarthy pointed out, the Republicans didn't lose a single incumbent. Not one. That's a big deal. The president picked up a bigger percentage of minority votes, blacks and Hispanics and Jews. And yet in so many of these battleground states, according to these tallies, he's behind. And I have comments on that in a little bit. The president's going to speak. We're told at 6.30 p.m. Eastern we will take it as soon as he begins it, begins speaking. But I want to walk you through this because, you know, we've talked about this. It's now becoming more and more prominent on television with legal commentators. You have legal commentators who have not spent more than 15 minutes studying aspects of the Constitution that I've spent my entire life studying. And they're good listeners, but still they don't know enough. They just don't. Now, the various... Provisions in the Constitution were carefully debated in Philadelphia, some more than others. 
but one that was given a lot of attention, particularly by the, ratificating, the, the ratifying states, was Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of the senators and house. In other words, the electoral college and the way that those electors are chosen. Nowhere else in the Constitution that they do they specifically anoint and reach into a state government as to which branch shall do what. Now, why is this provision in the federal Constitution? Why is it there? It's there because several of the state delegates who were at the Constitutional Convention demanded it. Why did they demand it? For two reasons. Their states would never ratify a Constitution that didn't leave in the hands of the state legislatures, where they were in the first place, the manner in which electors are chosen. They didn't want the federal government to play any role whatsoever. Just remember way back then, the federal government didn't exist, right? Number two, they would never have imagined courts with the power that they exercise today, the power that they have seized for themselves, interfering in an electoral process, that is, interfering in a process where the state legislature sets the rules. They would never have agreed to such a constitution, a constitution of the powers any court, let alone their own courts, to dictate what the election laws are going to be within their own state. Back then, the courts were relatively weak, even the state courts. The power was in the state legislatures. That's where it was. All through the last 48 hours, I keep hearing, count the legal votes. You see, Mark Elias, the ambulance-chasing, slip-and-fall, Svengali lawyer for the Democrats, and Robert Bauer, of the same ilk, these men coordinated with their state Democrat parties litigation in key battleground states, especially Pennsylvania, but also in Michigan and other states, to change the voting systems in the states. The problem was, and is, the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania, the Republican legislature in Michigan, the Republican legislature in so many of these battleground states. So what did they do? They went around them. They went around them, and they went to a court, or they went to a board of elections, or they went to a federal judge. They did whatever they had to do, whatever they could do. So they changed the playing field. It's like a baseball game. Suddenly you get up, you know, you've got the, the diamond is the way it's supposed to be. Uh, everybody's got the number of players they're supposed to have. We have our rules. And then right before the World Series, they say, all right, we're making some changes. Well, what are we doing? While the left field fence is coming in, you get five strikes rather than three. We just want to make sure every batter has a chance. And rather than nine innings, we'll make it 18 innings, just to be fair, just in case, you know, somebody's cold and then they get hot at the plate. 
Excuse me? That's what happened in Pennsylvania. The Democrats, including the governor, litigated up to the state Supreme Court because the elected justices, they knew the vast majority of them were Democrats. They had pushed legislation on the Republican legislature, which refused to embrace it. So the Supreme Court did it for them. A clear violation of the federal constitution. The matter goes up to the United States Supreme Court. And John Roberts and the leftists on the court, who don't much care about federalism unless it advances their ideological perspective. And this nonsense, we have six conservatives on the court and three, no we don't. So that Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, what it should have said is level playing field. The federal constitution says, without getting involved anymore, the federal constitution says, and couldn't be clear about Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, exactly how this is supposed to be handled. I should say Section 1, Clause 2. And that's that. That's that. And don't come back. That's that. Don't come back. But that's not what happened. Roberts has a cockamamie idea that if a state court gets involved, that's really none of our business. And, of course, uh, if a federal court gets involved, maybe we can stop that. No, that's not what the federal constitution says. Don't do a state courts, federal courts. The state legislature has all the power. Period. So when you hear people saying over and over again, like parrots, count all the legal votes, even so-called conservative lawyers, well, count all the legal votes under the conditions that have been now set unconstitutionally by certain courts, among others. Or the Board of Elections, in the case of North Carolina, and the Board of Elections under the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania. They changed the rules, and they changed them in violation of the federal constitution. This is a fact. The same Democrat Party that that doesn't believe in the Constitution, that talks about the 1619 Project, the same Constitution that backs the rioters and the looters because they won't criticize them and so forth. Now they're saying count all the legal votes. Count all the legal votes now that you change the law unconstitutionally. More on this when I return. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com.
Adam Laxaltz, the former Attorney General of the great state of Nevada, and uh, the uh, Trump campaign is bringing litigation in that state, partly based on what Adam Laxaltz gathered, information that's very, very troubling. Adam Laxalt, how are you, and what's up? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? Okay, I could be better, but go right ahead. Well, um, you know, I've been sounding the alarm for, for many, many weeks. Uh, the Democrats changed our system fundamentally in the last 80 days, and they gave us a system that is a mail-in ballot system, a system that this state has never tried before. And they did and, it like three months ago, right? They did it inside 90 days, and someone once told me this is what we look to in foreign countries when, when something like that happens, it makes you very, very skeptical of what someone may be doing to hold on to power. So they changed the system. We have incredibly unclean voter rolls, and we've documented ex- many, many examples of ballots in trash cans and in apartment buildings. Uh, one voter reported 18 ballots arriving in his house, if you can believe that. So we have these unclean rolls. And uh, we were told that signatures would be the one thing that would keep this election safe and prevent fraud. Well, guess what? We do not have the ability to observe signature matches for mail-in ballots in Clark County. We're talking hundreds of thousands of votes that we have not been able to observe, and we can't challenge these. We have no ability to. They, they keep saying, well, prove uh, that there's voter fraud in these signatures. Well, we, if you can't lay your eyes on them... No, they then, lock you in the we, closet, and then they say, prove that there's voter fraud. Exactly. Now, we are confident, and the day when we finally get to look at signatures, uh, that there will be just endless mismatches. We, we are absolutely positive. Right now, they're only failing 1% of signatures in, in, in a system, again, that's brand new. We, we have systems that our 10% failure rate, 15, 20, and somehow 99% of these signatures are supposed to match. It's obviously very, very hard to believe. And so we are, we are battling away. Um, and, um, you know, we, we've just filed a, a or we're just about to file a lawsuit, I should say, um, where we are going to allege that um, the fact that they're using this machine uh, is an improper authentication method. State law, as you were just talking about, uh, that's, that's what needs to be followed, and there's nothing in state law that allows Clark County to use this machine where hundreds of thousands of ballots have counted. So um, that's one of our claims that they violated the elections clause, um, and then we have uh, an equal protection and due process clause claim as well. And these are going to be filed when? Because we're running out of time. <laughs> it's been being drafted uh, all day, and it should, it's imminent. It's imminent. All right. Well, good job, and you have been talking about this over and over again. And uh, we hear that these networks are going to call Nevada by 9, or they're going to call Pennsylvania by 9. And you're a lawyer. You've been an attorney general. We all know well. That doesn't make it true while there's ongoing litigation, and these states are still uh, up in the air as a result of the litigation, and you're waiting for decisions, Correct. Yeah, well, we're going to imminently produce thousands of, of voters uh, that voted from, they voted in this election, and they moved out of the state of Nevada. That, that is imminent. Uh, we, can, we are going to continue to put out as many examples as we can of, of, of dead people and others that 
that we believe have voted improperly in this election. Um, and, and there's also still uh, probably 180,000 ballots out there. Uh, most of them are Election Day, which broke heavily for the president here in this state and, of course, across the country. So, uh, you know, we still have a path and we're, we're battling away. All right. Well, good luck to you. Keep us informed here, okay? Okay. Thank you, Mark. And good luck. Good luck. There's a lot of these battles going on in the states now. How much time do I have, Richie Rich? Well, I'm not going to rush it now. Uh, if, if the president comes on uh, right after the break, we'll go straight to the president. If not, I want to raise an issue with you. Daniel Horowitz has written a, uh, a beautiful piece, as he always does, for the blaze. Uh, we're getting into this issue of, uh, of Article 2. Now, you know, he and I spent a lot of time writing about and talking about the courts and the Constitution. And uh, he's, he's also incorporated a number of things that, uh, that I've been writing about over the years and talking about over the years. In fact, the title of his piece is, and we've just uh, linked to it if you wish to go to uh, uh, Parler or Twitter, if you must, I guess, Facebook, although I don't go there anymore. How Republican-controlled state legislatures can rectify election fraud committed by courts and governors. And it's not just election fraud. It's the entire election system that has been changed uh, by some of these courts. And I will begin it, actually. I'm too anxious to wait. Who determines the outcome of the presidential election is uh, in a given state? Governors, secretaries of state, or boards of election superintendents? The courts? Fox Decision Desk, he writes? No. The president wins a state when electors selected by state legislatures conduct a vote in their respective states on December 14. Thus, ultimately, according to the Constitution, the state legislators wind up serving as the kingmakers in a disputed election. Endless pots of unverified mail-in ballots that often failed to meet state election law standards weren't created overnight at 3 a.m. on November 4th. They were created by a mix of illegal administrative actions taken by Democrat administrations in the key states and the state and lower federal courts overriding long-standing state election laws. This has been going on for years, but accelerated to a fever pitch over the past few months. I'm going to dig further into this, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very, very important week and weeks of programming here. Rather than wait till tomorrow to hear it from other, from other hosts who are taking notes now, stick with me because I know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's crucially important to get this right. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. 
and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. You know, I am concerned having to go back and forth on this that the staccato nature of my discussing this might cause some confusion. But it could even get worse because the president will speak soon. But I want to get into this. The Constitution in Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1 gives state legislatures the power over the times, methods, and procedures of elections and provides no public health emergency, quote-unquote, no public health emergency exception that enables governors or judges to override them and create a new system for elections. Isn't that amazing? At its core, this is why we have such post-election chaos. And it was by design today, set in motion for years by the courts and crystallized over the past few months by using COVID-19 to remake the in-person voting electorate into a postal ballot free-for-all in which Justice Gorsuch described as the greatest judicial intervention in elections in 230 years. Well, now the state legislatures can have their revenge and have the final say and fix this as intended by the Constitution. He writes... Mark Levin reminded his audience today that state legislatures are the ones who choose the electors who directly vote for president in each state. He posted the following. Reminder to the Republican state legislatures. You have the final say over the choosing of electors. Not any board of elections, secretary of state, governor, or even court. You have the final say. Article 2 of the federal constitution. So, get ready to do your constitutional duty. Horowitz writes, in case you think this is some desperate tactic Levin has concocted because he doesn't like the impending results of the state ballot tallies, he's been warning about this for months. While everyone slept as the courts rewrote election laws, Levin, a constitutional lawyer, warned on September 18, quote, as in Pennsylvania, the Michigan legislature is controlled by the Republicans. They must meet in emergency session and exercise their Article II power under the federal constitution, and seize back control over the election system, unquote. The run-up to the election, courts have allowed late voting, name, uh, late voting namely su- uh, submission of ballots after election day, so long as they are postmarked before. In addition, a Michigan court allowed ballot harvesting under certain circumstances, which appears to have occurred late at night in Wayne County, Detroit. There's been a series of rulings or administrative decisions in numerous states which are contrary to state law and in some cases federal election law that enable Democrats to upend the electoral process, putting aside questions of additional fraud in the early morning of November 4. Liberals say they want every vote to count, but having votes submitted by insidious special interest groups that violate the terms and conditions of absentee balloting ensures that the lawfully cast votes of individuals indeed do not count. We can debate the policy merits of some of these anomalous voting procedures, but everyone agrees that state legislatures control the process. In many blue states, they've already codified Democrat priorities on ballot harvesting, registration deadlines, or lack thereof, 
a weak voter verification system. But in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, there were laws on the books that were illegally ignored by the Democrat governors and the courts. In his 2005 book, Men in Black, Levin noted that the reason the United States Supreme Court ruling on the Florida recount in 2000 was final was not because the courts are supreme over the electoral process. Quite the contrary. The Supreme Court was merely rectifying a mistake the state court made because Democrats were the ones who involved the courts in the election process to begin with. But why did Al Gore ultimately accept the decision in Bush versus Gore? Levin writes on page 170 of Men in Black, quote, The Florida legislature could have, and in fact was preparing, to intervene and name a slate of electors if the Florida Supreme Court continued to interfere with the election. The legislature, Levin wrote, which was controlled by the Republican Party in 2000, had absolute authority under the Constitution to choose Florida's members of the Electoral College, unquote. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution stipulates that, quote, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct the electors to vote for president. The Constitution gives Congress the authority to set the date of that vote, which pursuant to three United States Code Section 7 is the Monday after the second Wednesday in December of presidential election years. This year it's December 14. Notice how the Constitution specifically gives the job of choosing electors to the legislature. And unlike with standard legislation, this is not shared jurisdiction or responsibility with the governor, much less some random state or federal court. Charles Pickney, one of the signers of the Constitution from South Carolina, reiterated on the Senate floor on January 23, 1800, how careful the framers were to cut Congress out of the process. He said on the Senate debate, the electors are to be appointed by each state, And the whole direction as to the manner of their appointment is given to the state legislatures. Nothing was more clear that Congress, is his picnic, had no right to meddle with it at all as the whole was entrusted to the state legislatures. They must make provision for all questions arising on the occasion. Technically, this means that the state legislatures could even appoint electors. And by the way, they did early on and completely avoid or cancel out popular election ballots we have today, at least for the president and vice president. This was the practice in some states in the early days of the republic. As Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story wrote in his 1833 Commentaries on the Constitution, state legislatures choosing the electors themselves, quote, has been firmly established in practice ever since the adoption of the Constitution and does not now seem to admit of controversy, even if a suitable tribunal existed to adjudicate upon it. Now, nobody's pushing this, that in each case, this is what the courts should do. But if you have rogue state courts, a rogue secretary of state, a rogue board of elections, a rogue governor of the opposite party, and a Supreme Court that fails to do its job, the United States Supreme Court, Thanks to the Chief Justice of the United States and the three liberal stooges, the legislature has final quote-unquote judicial review. That is, it's legislative review. Indeed, in 1892, in the McPherson versus Blacker case, in upholding Michigan's practice 
of dividing the state's electors by congressional district as done today in Maine and Nebraska. The Supreme Court wrote the following. The legislature possesses plenary authority to direct the manner of appointment. It might itself exercise the appointing power by joint ballot or concurrence of the two houses or according to such mode as it designates. In Bush versus Gore, the high court reiterated that any state legislature, quote, may, if it so chooses, select the electors itself. This is exactly why the U.S. Supreme Court should have put a stop to this immediate, ladies and gentlemen. But it failed, thanks to Roberts and the three liberal stooges. Obviously, none of us wants to abolish popular elections, except them, I would argue, the courts and the Democrats. But why would the Constitution even grant state legislatures such power? Well, the framers understood that unlike Congress, these are the bodies that are closest and most accountable to the people. And unlike judges or executives, state or federal, they are numerous in a deliberate body and won't wield unilateral authority without some degree of consensus. By overriding the legislatures and how to properly conduct the the popular elections that choose these presidential electors, the courts, the governors, the boards of elections, the secretary of states, have disenfranchised their voters. A Michigan court extended election day for two weeks. A Pennsylvania court, along with the Democrat Secretary of State, essentially nullified signature verification for mail-in ballots. Thus, if there's, an, if there's ample evidence of voter fraud that would be sufficient to alter the will of the people through this popular election, it is incumbent upon the state legislatures in those states to reclaim their authority over the Electoral College and rectify the fraud that has upended our election process. Daniel Horowitz at The Blaze. The problem is this. When I was growing up in Pennsylvania and I was involved in Republican and conservative efforts there, and we backed a handful of us, Young Turks, Ronald Reagan in 76 and so forth, We always used to joke about Republican leaders and politicians in Pennsylvania. We used to say, do you know what the official animal in Pennsylvania is, Mr. Producer? It's the rhino. The rhino, the R-I-N-O. The president, pro tem, of the Senate in Pennsylvania is a Republican. Hence, the majority leader of the Senate in Pennsylvania is a Republican. The Speaker of the House of the Assembly in Pennsylvania is a Republican. Hence, the majority leader in the House in Pennsylvania is a Republican. I passed word to the leadership of the state Senate, the Republicans, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that they needed to act then to pass a joint resolution without the signature of the governor, an emergency special joint resolution, holding as the final voice the decisions of the state Supreme Court null and void. They wouldn't do it. They didn't do it. They should have done it. 
Would it have been controversial? Of course, because the Constitution doesn't apply anymore. You know, you can burn down buildings and riot in the streets and all, and they call that mostly peaceful. But when you actually follow the original Constitution, the plain language, does it say anything about courts or boards of directors or government? No, it specifically says otherwise, the state legislature. Apparently that is uh, controversial. So when people say, count all the legal votes... They don't really mean it. Right, Marco? Right, Chris? Right, Adam? The three Republicans who chose to speak out and attack the president. Count all the legal votes, they say. Well, now we look at Pennsylvania. We look at the unconstitutional actions of the Supreme Court, the Secretary of State, and the Governor. So which are the legal votes? Senator? Governor? Congressman? I said, which are the legal votes? The votes that were cast in violation of Article 2 of the Federal Constitution or the votes that were cast within the confines of Article 2, Section Section 1, actually, Clause 2 of the Constitution. You see, this is why we lose. Because the Democrats set the stage and the Republicans embrace it. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be back immediately after that. Much- Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Every occasion that I know I had Joe Biden up by five points in Florida, and they were off by 8.4 points, and I won Florida easily, easily. So uh, they had me losing Florida by a lot, and I ended up winning Florida by a lot. Other than that, they were very accurate. Uh, They had him up four points in Ohio, and they were up by 12.2 points. And I also won Ohio, great state of Ohio, very easily. And the Washington Post said Biden up 17 points in Wisconsin, and it was basically even... They were off by about 17 points, and they knew that. They're not stupid people. They knew that. Suppression. There are now only a few states yet to be decided in the presidential race. Uh, The voting apparatus of those states are run in all cases by Democrats. We were winning in all the key locations by a lot, actually. And then our numbers started miraculously getting whittled away 
in secret, and uh, they wouldn't allow legally permissible observers. We went to court in a couple of instances, and we were able to get the observers put in. And when the observers got there, they wanted them 60, 70 feet away, 80 feet, 100 feet away, or outside the building to observe people inside the building. And we won a case, a big case, and uh, we have others happening. There are a lot of, lots of litigation, even beyond our litigation. There's tremendous amount of litigation generally because of how unfair this process was. And I predicted that. I've been talking about mail-in voting for a long time. It's, uh, it's really destroyed our system. It's a corrupt system. And it makes people corrupt even if they aren't by nature. But they become corrupt. It's too easy. They want to find out how many the votes they need, and then they seem to be able to find them. They wait and wait, and then they find them. And you see that on election night. We were ahead in vote in North Carolina by a lot, tremendous number of votes. And uh, we're still ahead by a lot, but uh, not as many, because they're finding ballots all of a sudden. Oh, we have some mail-in ballots. It's amazing how those mail-in ballots are so one-sided, too. I know that it's supposed to be to the advantage of the Democrats, but in all cases, they're so one-sided. We were up by nearly 700,000 votes in Pennsylvania. I won Pennsylvania by a lot. And uh, that gets whittled down to, I think they said now we're up by 90,000 votes. And they'll keep coming and coming and coming. They find them all over. And they don't want us to have any observers, although we want a court case. The judge said you have to have observers. Likewise, in Georgia, and they're appealing. Actually, they're appealing. Uh, we want a case that we want people to watch, and we want observers. And they're actually appealing, which is sort of interesting. I wonder why they'd appeal, that all we want to do is have people watch as they do the vote tabulations. Likewise, in Georgia, I won by a lot, a lot, with a lead of over getting close to 300,000 votes on election night in Georgia. And by the way, got whittled down. And now it's getting to be to a point where I'll go from winning by a lot to perhaps being even down a little bit. In Georgia, a pipe burst in a faraway location, totally unrelated to the location of what was happening. And they stopped counting for four hours. And a lot of things happened. The election apparatus in Georgia is run by Democrats. We also had margins of 300,000 in Michigan. We we're way up in Michigan, won the state. And uh, in Wisconsin, we did likewise fantastically well. And uh, that got whittled down. Every, in every case, they got whittled down. Today, we're on track to win Arizona. We only need to carry, I guess, 55 percent of the remaining vote, 55 percent margins. And uh, that's a margin that we've significantly exceeded. So we'll see what happens with that. But we're on track to do OK in Arizona. Uh, our goal is to defend the integrity of the election. We'll not allow the corruption to steal such an important election, or any election for that matter. And uh, we can't allow silence anybody to silence our voters and manufacture results. I've never had — I've been doing a lot of public things for a long time. I've never had anything that's been as inspirational by people calling, talking, sending things to us. I've never uh, seen such uh, such love and such affection and such uh, 
spirit, as I've seen for this. People know what's happening, and they see what's happening, and it's before their eyes. And uh, there are many instances which will be reported very shortly. There's tremendous litigation going on, and this is a case where they're trying to steal an election. They're trying to rig an election, and we can't let that happen. Detroit and Philadelphia, known as two of the most corrupt political places anywhere in our country, easily cannot be responsible for engineering the outcome of a presidential race, a very important presidential race. All right, we will be uh, back very shortly, and if the president's... uh press conference continues or statement continues you can bet we will we will be there and cover it i'll be right back from the westwood one podcast network he's here he's here now broadcasting from the underground command post Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. We join the president. Go right ahead. In Georgia, a pipe burst in a faraway location, totally unrelated to the location of what was happening happening and they stopped counting for four hours and a lot of things happened. The election apparatus in Georgia is run by Democrats. We also had margins of 300,000 in Michigan. We're way up in Michigan, won the state. And uh, in Wisconsin, we did likewise fantastically well. And uh, that got whittled down. Every In every case, they got whittled down. Today, we're on track to win Arizona, we only need to carry, I guess, 55% of the remaining vote, 55% margins, and uh, that's a margin that we've significantly exceeded. So we'll see what happens with that, but we're on track to do okay in Arizona. Uh, Our goal is to defend the integrity of the election. We'll not allow the corruption to steal such an important election, or any election for that matter. And uh, we can't allow silence anybody to silence our voters and manufacture results. I've never had. I've been doing a lot of public things for a long time. I've never had anything that's been as inspirational by people calling, talking, sending things to us. I've never uh, seen such uh, such love and such affection and such. Uh, spirit, as I've seen for this. People know what's happening, and they see what's happening, and it's before their eyes. And uh, there are many instances which will be reported very shortly. There's tremendous litigation going on, and this is a case where they're trying to steal an election. They're trying to rig an election, and we can't let that happen. Detroit and Philadelphia, known as two of the most corrupt political places anywhere in our country, easily cannot be responsible for engineering the outcome of a presidential race, a very important presidential race. In Pennsylvania, Democrats have gone to the state Supreme Court to try and ban our election observers, and very strongly. Now, we won the case, uh, but they're they're going forward. They don't want anybody in there. They don't want anybody watching them as they uh, count the ballots. And I can't imagine why there's absolutely no legitimate reason why they would not want to have people watching this process, because if it's straight, 
they would be they should be proud of it. Instead, they're trying, obviously, to commit fraud. Uh, there's no question about that. In Philadelphia, observers have been kept far away, very far away, so far that people are using binoculars to try and see. And there's been tremendous problems caused. They put uh, paper on all of the windows so you can't see in. And the people that are banned are very unhappy and become somewhat violent. The 11th Circuit ruled that in Georgia, the votes have been in by election day, that they should be in by election day. And they weren't. Votes are coming in after election right, day. Technical problems. Go ahead. And uh, they had a ruling already that you have to have the votes in by election day. To the best of my knowledge, votes should be in by election day. Uh, All right, we're going to have to uh, take a break here. The uh, transmission is not that great. Um, but uh, the president is right. The president's going to fight, and the president should fight. I have a little different attitude about how this started, as you know, if you've been listening to this program. The violations of law, the violations of our fundamental governing law, are the problem, which opened a door to all this. We cannot have court-made election laws. We cannot have court-made election laws. That's not what the Constitution provides for. Otherwise, they're reading completely out of the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. What does it mean if the legislature is not in charge? And you can't keep ripping away at it, cleverly trying to undermine the legislature by saying, well, but they set up the Board of Elections, and so they delegated authority. No, they didn't. They didn't delegate anything. Whatever laws the state legislatures wrote, they knew about Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, or you have to presume they did. And so if you're going to make fundamental changes to election laws, like changing dates, signature requirements, postage, stamping requirements, or you name it, or fundamentally changing it to a mail-in vote, there is no constitutional authority under the federal constitution to do that. And what the Supreme Court of the United States should have done is effectively what it did in Bush versus Gore. It really ought to be called Gore versus Bush since Gore started all this litigation. And what it should have done is shut it down and said to the Supreme Court and all the other entities in Pennsylvania other than the state legislature, didn't you read our case? Didn't you read the Constitution? What are you doing? And then, to close the door tight and lock it, they could have said, Pennsylvania should be an example to every other state. The state legislature has the first and the last say. Period. They win. I mean, if there's not a civil rights violation, you know, if a state legislature says, well, blacks can't vote, that's a different thing. Then other parts of the Constitution trump that. But that's not what's going on here. We're talking about administrative decisions that have a fundamental impact on an election. This is all being dumbed down. It's all being watered down, in part because reporters have no idea what they're talking about. Then again, you have the propaganda media in this country, which represents about 99.9% of the corporations that own these companies. And so the information's not really getting out there. The, the Pencil- let, me, let me put it to you this way. Let's take a look at Pennsylvania here. I can't read all this, but redstate.com. What took place in Pennsylvania? October 20, 2020. Two weeks effectively before the election. 
The U.S. Supreme Court issued an order denying an application for an emergency stay to prevent changes to Pennsylvania election law made by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So the legislature in Pennsylvania goes to the U.S. Supreme Court and says, please stop the state court from interfering with the federal constitution. And the U.S. Supreme Court, really only certain justices, said no. Chief Justice Roberts, Breyer, Kagan, Sotomayor. They said, no, we're not going to take it up. you got to take it up now because it's before the... No, we're not going to take it up. Alito, Gorsuch, Thomas, Kavanaugh at the time, but Kavanaugh's a little shaky. They said, yes, let's take it up. But what were the changes in the election laws in Pennsylvania, as pointed out by Red State? The Pennsylvania governor, Democrat Tom Wolf, is a, is a radical liberal partisan Democrat. He requested throughout the summer that the Pennsylvania legislature modify election laws to take into account the anticipated large volume of, quote, vote-by-mail ballots expected to be received for the November 3 election. Among the changes the Democrat governor sought was a three-day extension during which ballots could be received and counted to and including November 6th. What's today's date, Mr. Producer? The f- We're at November 5th. If the envelopes had been postmarked showing that they'd been mailed on or before November 3rd. Now, I've heard one commentator and my, and my friends on the Fox News channel say, well, what's the problem as long as they're, they're dated by the day of the election? No, that's not the point. There's no three-day extension during which ballots can be received. Period. As written, Pennsylvania law recalls that ballots... In the hands of election officials on November 3, they must be in the hands of those officials in order to be counted. Creating the possibility that voters who mailed their ballots too late would not have them arrive at the election office on time. Now, is that new? No, that's been the law in Pennsylvania for several years. But they changed it. Why, Mr. Producer? To help Joe Biden and to defeat Donald Trump. It's that simple. Democrats wouldn't change it otherwise. Ballot envelopes with illegible postmarks or envelopes missing postmarks, said the court, would be presumed to have been mailed on or before November 3rd unless there was evidence to show by a preponderance of the evidence that the ballot had not been mailed on time. Completely rewrote Pennsylvania's election laws, did the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The legislature of Pennsylvania, with both houses controlled by Republicans, declined to advance the very same legislation the governor requested the court to impose. And the Democrat court, which is elected, imposed exactly what the governor wanted. Against the wishes of the legislature. Is that what the federal constitution says? No. The legislature there uh, may direct, quote. So the Democrat Pennsylvania party sued in state court seeking uh, uh, the same changes that Governor Wolford requested. And listen to this cleverness. Based on their finding that the COVID-19 pandemic made the current statutory provisions unconstitutional. Unconstitutional, the court said. The Supreme Court made the changes the legislature had refused to make on its own. Pennsylvania judges are elected, including Supreme Court judges. And unlike most states, judges run for election on a partisan basis, Republicans and Democrats. 
the four Pennsylvania Supreme Court, there's seven of them, the four Pennsylvania Supreme Court judges who voted to make the changes sought by the Pennsylvania Democrat Party all ran for their seats as Democrats. So the legislature, which is specifically mentioned in the federal constitution, had no say in the process. That was changed by the Supreme Court just a few months ago. And we have guys like Rubio and Christie and Kingsinger, and they're not alone, saying, count the legal votes. So the legal votes now assumes that the decision of the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania was constitutional, even though it violates the federal constitution. Do you get my point? We have Republicans running around saying count all the legal votes. They don't say to the American people, these courts conducted themselves in an unconstitutional way. And like Biden, they ought to get up and say, we need to be patient. Let the litigation work its will. Let's hope the courts actually embrace the Constitution. You need to be patient. I mean, after all, Al Gore took almost 40 days. You need to be patient. You see, Biden says, be patient till we count all of our votes. What the Republicans should be saying is be patient until we, did, we, uh, we get solid decisions about the unconstitutional actions of some of these courts, some of these governors, some of these secretaries of state, and some of these boards of election. But the Republicans don't even know how the hell to talk. And you got these backstabbers out there who come out and make their ass... Ooh, boy, I got close, Mr. Producer. Asinine statements is what I meant to say. Make their asinine statements. Now, because I've talked about this before, many times before, I've been attacked by fools like Ezra Klein. I don't even know who Ezra Klein is. I looked it up. He founded this left-wing site called Vox. So what? Or Media Matters or Media... Look, Mark wants to take the vote away from people. I don't want to take anything from anybody. Did they not say count all legal votes? So a determination needs to be made. What are the legal votes? So be patient. Be patient. Al Gore got 37 days to deal with chads. Chads. Here we have multiple states and we're dealing with more than chads. And the interesting thing will be whether the United States Supreme Court is actually going to follow the Constitution or violate it itself. Because when it comes to elections like this, The legislatures are supposed to be the first and the final say for a reason. That's what the framers wanted. That's what the ratifiers wanted. And why do they want it? Because it shouldn't be in the hands of partisan judges. It shouldn't be the hands of any judges. And governors and bureaucracies shouldn't be able to overrule the federal constitution. Let me put it to you this way. The state legislatures do not have the power under Article 2, to delegate their power to anybody else. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. 
So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Throw some bedding on a uh, bunch of different mattresses, and sure, they'll all look alike. Same goes for pillows. But peel away the layers, look at what's inside, and you'll see, well, they aren't all created equal. That's what makes every purple pillow and mattress unlike anything you've ever slept on. The purple grid sets the purple mattress apart from every other mattress. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. And this cutting-edge technology doesn't stop with the mattresses. Every purple pillow is engineered with the grid for total head and neck support and absolute airflow, so you're always on the cool side of the pillow. You can try every purple product risk-free with free shipping and returns. And purple has financing available as low as 0% APR for qualified customers. Experience the purple grid and you'll sleep like never before. Go to purple.com slash Levin10, that's purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N-1-0, and use promo code Levin10, that's L-E-V-I-N-1-0, and for a limited time, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash Levin10, promo code Levin10, for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Terms apply. Have you noticed, Mr. Producer, how well the stock market's doing? Despite all this? Now, you know what that tells me? That more and more boardrooms and executives in these major corporations are leftists. They want subsidies by the government. They want protection by the government. They want the government to crush their competition. More and more, more and more of these major corporations and these boardrooms and the executives are obviously leftists. You'd be shocked. They support Act Blue. They support Bernie Sanders. People for the American Way. The Environmental Defense Fund. You'd be stunned. It's really quite appalling, to be honest about it. So we have the Pennsylvania Democrats with the Democrat court that changed the rules. Then we have Republicans saying, count the legal votes. No, count the votes that are supposed to be counted. And the president should take at least as much time as Al Gore took in court, about 40 days, to litigate these matters. And if if the U.S. Supreme Court is corrupt, which I fear it is, with John Roberts, then we need to know that now. There's no point in you and I defending the Supreme Court, defending its independence, 
if the court is not going to be worth defending and it's not going to be independent. We can't have cowboys like John Roberts on there just uh, playing to the New York Times and the Washington Post with his absolutely irrational and incoherent decisions. It's a great thing. You get to read their decisions. You go, what the hell is he talking about? Unfortunately, we say that more and more when it comes to John Roberts. When we come back, Victor Davis Hansen will be with us in just a few minutes. See you then. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Victor Davis Hanson, welcome to the program. I uh, wanted to ask you a few questions so the audience can also hear your response. We have a man in the White House who... uh, who has stood up to the, the most grotesque form of tyranny during his four years there, including, uh, including actually when he decided to run for office. Virtually every instrumentality of the federal government and the establishment uh, sought to prevent him from being president, then sought to remove him, and then tr- sought to destroy him, actually imprison him. Um, the media, academia, uh, major corporations... His opposition party, his own party undermining him. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. And I don't even hesitate on that. We've never seen a president. I guess Andrew Johnson had some flimsy charges of impeachment, but nothing flimsier than what we've seen with the whole whistleblower Ukrainian hoax. And the Robert Mueller was 22 months. It was a complete bust. They tried everything, Mark. It was the Mullinman's Clause. It was the 25th Amendment. It was the voting machines. It was the first articles of impeachment. I think I, I think 11 days after he, he entered office, Rosa Brooks was writing in foreign policy that we should consider a military coup. Never seen anything like it. I don't think anybody has. Nothing like it. And this, this scandal, I think, about the voting is, is the most egregious of all of them. And, and let's talk about this. This is absolute anarchy. Uh, obviously, every state has the right to set its own procedures, but the Democrat Party went into every state, particularly the key states. They litigated. They brought over 200 lawsuits. They tried to change the rules. They went form shopping, including the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, the boards of, uh, of, of elections, secretaries of state. They definitely changed in some of these states, but especially Pennsylvania, but also in Georgia and Michigan. Uh, the manner in which people vote, when they vote, how they vote, uh, what conditions uh, these boards will, will consider when counting the votes and not counting the votes, all intended to help Biden and the Democrats. Do you know of any changes in any state that were intended to help the president and the Republicans? No, and not all of the changes you, you list were done by majority votes of the legislatures as the Constitution None. specified. It's the legislatures, not these administrative boards that can that are supposed to be responsible for setting uh voting laws but it, it was even worse than that i mean they, the left talks about voter suppression but if you were a you were a resident of a voter in wisconsin and four days before the election you were told by abc and washington post that donald trump was behind by 17 points you might not want to give him money you might not want to knock on doors you might not want to vote you said what's the point 
Or if you're on election night and Mr. Mishkin at Fox News calls Arizona, and here I am in California, why would I want to go out and vote for David Valdeo? I, I think the whole world is crumbling because his solid rock, Barry Goldwater State, has just disappeared. And then I look at the board, and there is uh, Florida and Texas, and my eyes tell me that Trump is one big, but I think it can't be, or they'd call him. So this, this is just temporary. And so they built this narrative from the very beginning that Donald Trump was facing a landslide, and it really weakened any argument that you had to watch uh, Michigan or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, because in his own backyard, he'd already lost. First thing that happened, he lost Arizona. And then when you when you think of these pollsters colluding with the media, um, you couldn't talk about Hunter Biden at all. It was just taboo. It was off limits. But you could talk about what? Donald Trump removed some post office boxes, a complete fantasy or another smear that he libeled the war dead. So this this trifecta of the media and the pollsters and these state boards have really robbed us of the fundamental aspect of citizenship, the sacred vote of the American citizen. It doesn't exist. I think millions of people feel that they have been disenfranchised. The idea that Donald, that Donald Trump with these massive rallies and this surge, and then you see this pathetic Joe Biden sort of like a drive-in movie honking horns, and you're told that this is a very dynamic campaign. It just doesn't, I don't, it's shocking is what I'm trying to, I'm, I'm searching And, and for let me ask more. you this. What, Victor, what, uh, I, I also look at this. We actually won seats in the House. We didn't lose a single Republican incumbent. We, we've held the Senate. We flipped two legislatures to Republican. Yeah, we, we were supposed to lose them. So Donald Trump is this juggernaut that brings all these victories behind him, and yet he loses? Does that make sense to you? No, it makes no sense at all. I think even the Washington Post said today that he wasn't an, he wasn't an anchor. He was a, a boy <laughs> that kept, it, kept all of the, the down-ballot uh, candidates viable. It doesn't make any sense to me is what's so hard to figure out in Iowa and what's so hard to figure out in Indiana and Ohio, but right across the borders, you can't figure it out in Michigan or Wisconsin. makes no sense. And what, what Utah can do it. Why can't Nevada do it? And the answer is that anywhere there was a, close, a perceived uh, swing state and there was a Democratic board or a Democratic influence, you, there were these hiatuses that just popped up. And then voting stopped, and people, I think, produced ballots, or they did, we'll find out the modus operandi, but it just destroyed the voters' confidence in the whole voting process. It's a third world country today. It really is, because you, you can't, your vote doesn't mean anything. And this is from the left that always talks about voter suppression and one man, one vote. And it's, it's uh, I've never seen anything like it. And, and you know, Victor, uh... By the time I'm off the airwaves here in about an hour and 20 minutes, they're going to have Biden leading in Georgia, Biden leading in Pennsylvania. One or more of these news groups are going to call it for Joe Biden. We have Al Gore who litigated almost 40 days. How can they call an election when we have active litigation that's challenging? And like in Pennsylvania, the fundamental constitutional changes they made, that is the court made, not the legislature made, and some of these enormous numbers, absurd numbers, almost 90% of the vote came out in Wisconsin. Nobody believes that. How, how can they call an election for a president? They're trying to end this as fast as they can, aren't they? 
Yeah, I mean, they have to have the Secretary of State of each one of these uh, states certify the election, and that's what they're working on. Every time Donald Trump, we were told, was going to survive in Georgia, that that the absentee or whatever we want to call these ballots of various origins uh, didn't quite get the percentage, they'd say, oh, my God, there's there's more ballots than we thought. And the same is true in Arizona. He said, well, if we just get 58 percent and that that ballot uh, pool keeps enlarging. And uh, I, I've never heard if you know of election where estimates at 89 to 90 percent of the registered voters of Wisconsin turned out. I can't believe that figure that's reported. I think Saddam Hussein, I think, was the last one to get that. Yeah, I mean, it really does. And it, it's scary because we're so self-righteous and lecturing the world about Baghdad bobs and all of these crazy propagandists and irregular voting in Central America. And here we are doing the exact same thing. The only difference is they were honest, they were crooked, and we have this sanctimonious, uh, we're doing it for the people, and we're virtuous. It's, it's really scary. I, I keep saying that. but uh, well, Before we run out of time, I want to raise another issue with you. Yes. Mail-in voting. It's obvious. Uh, that the Democrats win big with mail-in voting, that the mail-in voting in these battleground states come in late, that Nancy Pelosi held up some of these relief bills until she could nationalize and compel every state to have mail-in build, uh, voting and do it the way she wanted to do. They, if they are trying to, if you don't mind, Californianize the United States with one-party rule, and I think that's what people don't understand. This is one election, and what they've done is terrible, but this is going to go on and on and on until it's stopped, isn't it? It is. But, you know, the Supreme Court did step in during the Jim Crow period about things like poll taxes. And they did decide that an 18-year-old, from 21 to 18-year-old, required an amendment. And so I do think that the Republicans really have to work on that. that They're going to have to say, you know what, any ballot that comes in after an election, you know, that's postmarked after election is is ineligible, and they're going to have to set a time of maybe four days before the election. You can't just vote every single day and then have ballots that show up after the polls close. They're going to have to deal that with on a national level because these blue states are basically sanctuary cities, not in the terms of just immigration, but they're sanctuary cities that are nullifying federal law. All of them are. And federal protocols and American traditions about voting and and it, they make a difference. Well, you know, it's interesting because they don't want protections. The Democrats push for earlier and earlier voting and later and later voting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah they don't want that. Not, if they ask you to file your tax returns, they say, okay, as long as it's dated by, by April 15th. Now, what if the postage can't be, the postmark can't be read? You think the IRS is going to say, well, we'll read it in your favor. You think the IRS is going to say if the signature doesn't match, we'll accept your tax return? How about we at least apply the same rules in elections that we apply to uh, filing our tax returns? Yes, and you know why they're doing it? Because they know that if they did it state by state in shotgun fashion, they'd get caught. So what they do is they calibrate and modulate the ongoing vote tally because they, they shut down the county and they think well, this doesn't look good in Wisconsin. And notice, remember in 2016, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, they were not prepped for that. They thought they were so, mm-hmm. uh, they were going to have such a great landslide that Donald Trump was going to fail. So they, did, they weren't prepped. And Donald Trump actually increased his lead all during the night in those key states. And everybody was assuming he'd do it again. 
but this time they were prepped and they knew exactly which state to modulate and massage and they looked at the pulse of the returns coming in and they reacted accordingly and they didn't do it everywhere uh, and isn't it amazing victor that election was over at 2 a.m or 3 a.m in the morning it was over we didn't have all these issues it just shows you in four years time that they not only tried to take trump out as president of the united states they were working these states they were looking ahead and they said if we can't remove them now we're going to make sure he never comes back I know it. And I went to bed thinking, well, I looked at these huge leads in Michigan, and I looked at the huge ones in Wisconsin. I looked at the number of voters who had already voted. I looked at the registered voters, and it was already, you know, I thought, well, 71% of the vote. There can't be any more votes. You can't mathematically, and then you wake up, and it's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Michael Bloomberg and going, spending almost a half a billion dollars to destroy a Republican Senate campaign. It was almost like a Costa Nostra, they were sending a message, if you, if you buck us in a public way like Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham, we're going to go after you, and we may not win, but we're going to make life so miserable for you, and we're, we're going to deter anybody else from taking a high-profile uh, stance if you're a Republican senator. And I think it really is, it was aimed at trying to deter people. Nobody's ever heard of $100 million spent in a losing, which was obviously going to be a losing effort, but it was just a I don't know what you would call it. It was just a mean, downright uh, deterrent effort to send a message. This is what happens to you when you're a high-profile conservative. We've got the money now, and we're going to destroy you. And that was scary as well. All right, Victor. I want to thank you. Please stay out there. Keep keep writing. Keep speaking. Maybe you'll find a better format, just saying. And uh, And good luck to you. Thank you, Mark. All right. Take care. He needs to get off that National Review and write somewhere else, in my humble opinion. In my humble opinion. Cyber Monday, Black Friday, you know, one day only sales. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every single day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company who understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. You know, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. You're being ripped off. I'll put it in plain English. Pure Talk can easily save you under four, over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. If you go over on data usage, they don't charge you a penny for it. Nothing. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. Switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. You can keep your phone and your phone number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Grab your mobile phone, folks. It's the same exact service for a hell of a lot less money. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin to save 50% off your first month. That's 250, pound 250, and then say Mark Levin. Uh, Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. If you're uh, setting financial goals for the rest of this year, don't forget to add a mortgage refinance to your list. In fact, that should be right at the top of the list. Um, the, uh, with rates still at historic lows, a refinance can help you save on monthly payments, which can in turn boost your savings account. Now, this is a very smart move to make right now, as we're still unsure of what the future holds. So why not do what you can to set yourself up for success? 
just takes a simple call to American Financing. They're the, in my view, the best of the best. A mortgage consultant will discuss custom loan options that may save you up to $1,000 a month. And you don't have to start over your term. Because you shouldn't pay interest on years you don't need. And you know what else? They're going to get you pre-qualified for free. Because American Financing doesn't charge upfront fees like some of the other lenders do. They only want what's best for you. So find out for yourself by calling 888-900-1828. 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. You there, American Mr. Financing, NMLS All right, 182334, <clears throat> www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We have to legally get that tagline in there. David Axelrod was uh, the big, uh, one of the big campaign uh, muckety-mucks and counsel to Obama. And he was on CNN today, and here's what he said in part. Cut it, go. It has to be said that he brought people out in ways that weren't expected yesterday. And Republicans, Democrats went into yesterday's election expecting to add a dozen seats in the U.S. House. They're, they're go- they have lost seats, and it's not clear just yet how many. They went into the election expecting and hoping to take control of the U.S. Senate. That is not going to happen. Uh, so uh, they, they, they were hoping to take over legislative chambers in this very important year because reapportionment is coming up. Right. There, were a dozen, there were half a dozen that were in their sights. They won none of them. And so Trump had a real impact. He had a real impact. In fact, they lost two of them, two legislatures went from uh, Democrat to Republican. So um, Donald Trump has big coattails, which is why this is very bizarre, which is why he should spend at least 37 days, the number of days that Al Gore spent litigating this. There's going to be a lot of pressure from the Republican Party. There's going to be a lot of pressure from others for him to bow out. Clearly Biden. Um, and uh, I don't think the president's going to bow out so quickly based on what he had to say today. And if the Supreme Court should decide not to uphold the Constitution, the Supreme Court shall also conclude that it's better to be political than constitutional, then the Supreme Court is within weeks of destroying itself. I will no longer defend it. Because if it can't stand up to this, if it's not going to be independent on its own, then we should take it over and add seats to it when we can. Now, I'm not calling for that. I'm not interested in that. But if the court's truly independent, John Roberts has to start standing up straight. But certainly five of the justices need to save the court. It's not going to be up to the five other Republican-appointed justices to save the reputation of the Supreme Court. Because John Roberts is destroying it. There should have been a decision weeks ago in the Pennsylvania case. Very simple decision. Could have been one paragraph long. See Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. Pennsylvania Supreme Court, your actions are null and void as they violate the federal constitution. Same with the governor. Same with the secretary of state. Read it. It's in black and white. You don't get to change the laws that the legislature... In this case, the legislature refused to adopt to adopt the deadlines and the other decisions that were made by the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court not only acted on its own, but it acted in direct defiance of the state legislature. Absolutely appalling. 
I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. I hope you're listening. Because other people are listening with microphones and cameras in their faces. This, I can assure you. Welcome back. Wasn't it yesterday, Mr. Producer, when I said, remember Florida, when there was a challenge and how both parties were present and they would look at the ballots and they would make decisions about chads and remember, didn't I discuss that yesterday? How there was much more transparency and so forth and so on. Well, apparently that's catching on. Because I happen to know in Philadelphia... The Democrat Party has appealed a decision by a lower court there to prevent Republicans from monitoring the vote counting. I explained this yesterday, that in Florida, we knew what was going on. Both parties were there. But the Democrat Party has changed these states. And now they're actually arguing to the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, where they'll probably get a good ear, that the law in Pennsylvania doesn't require both parties to be there. The word observe doesn't really mean observe, where you can actually see what's going on. Tell me, how many of you have heard media personalities infuriated by this? You haven't heard any. What else have I talked about here, including yesterday? And again, last hour, that the media are going to at some point call a state or states and call this election for Joe Biden. You can see they're salivating. I think they're waiting till 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. when I'm well off the air. But they're legal challenges. And again, what did I say yesterday? As long as there was a legal challenge working its way through the courts in Florida, the media didn't say, well, George Bush is the president because we've said so, or Al Gore's the president because we think he's going to win. And so, no. And so, how can the media do this now? There's a legitimate challenge in Pennsylvania. There's a legitimate challenge in Arizona. There's a legitimate challenge in Nevada. I believe in other states too Wisconsin, Michigan, perhaps even Georgia and North Carolina. What's their rush? They weren't in a rush in 2000 when George Bush had the upper hand. And then they called him an illegitimate president. Did they not, Mr. Producer? They called him an illegitimate president. Here, they're in a hurry. They want to quickly sign, seal, and be done with the election. Joe Biden walks up there 
like he's presidential. He actually walks up there and he looks like a poorly dressed mannequin. We'll take our time here. We think we're going to win. We'll take our time here. And he probably says to his wife, Dr. Jill, behind the curtain, can you believe a dumb SOB like me could be president of the United States? But nonetheless, the president has his right to a day in court, not just liberals who are trying to change the election laws. Not just liberals who are, who are trying to change the election laws. And the Supreme Court can do its job and, and help the American people and help this process once and for all and help itself because it's about to burn itself down and destroy itself, certainly with me and I'm sure many of you. Which is now, thanks to John Roberts, it, has, it does have to put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste, uh, whatever they call it, tube, toothpaste tube. Or unscramble the egg. And John Roberts and the three uh, liberal stooges put them in this position. But they have to fix it. Follow the Constitution. And in the media, we got people that give us the evidence, give us the evidence. Well, there's litigation going on. I happen to know some of the lawyers involved in this litigation. You know what they're collecting now? Thousands of affidavits. That's the evidence. Eyewitnesses who are putting their name to a legal document under penalty of perjury. So what's their hurry, the Democrats and the media? They're not going to call the election tonight or tomorrow morning for Joe Biden. And why? To blow off the litigation? Oh, Trump's a bad player. Oh, now we have to send in the, uh, uh, the military to remove Trump. from. And by the way, none of that's happened, have you noticed? None of that's going on. So they don't want the system to play out. They want their votes, quote-unquote, to play out. Count every vote. But you don't count every vote. The votes have to be legitimate. Well, only the legal votes. Well, under what law? The rogue? Listen, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court is just as every bit rogue as the Florida Supreme Court was 20 years ago. I want you to listen to me. I've read their outrageous decision. The 4-3 decision by the Democrats. It's outrageous. I think it was 4-2 and one was out. I don't remember. They put in place provisions that the Democrat governor of their own party wanted, but the Republican legislature refused to put in place. Then they ruled the restrictions unconstitutional given the COVID-19 virus. You believe that? And that's what that court did. That is a rogue court. Every bit as much as the Florida court was rogue. Now, when this gets to the U.S. Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court needs to do what it did with the Florida Supreme Court. Put it back in its box. And uphold the federal constitution. And protect the authority of the state legislatures. That's what it needs to do. Not come up with some cockamamie art. What's a state court? Doesn't say state court in the Constitution. It says the state legislature. Well, it's up to the states to figure it out. No, it's not. It's in the federal Constitution. Under Article 2, it's right there. We go back to Marbury versus Madison, Mr. Chief Justice. You may have heard of that case. It's amazing with this Roberts and the others. 
They go all over the place to pretend that the court, excuse me, that the Constitution gives them authority to intervene in this and intervene in this, to uphold Obamacare, on and on and on. But here it really is the responsibility to defend the Constitution, the federal Constitution, against a state Supreme Court that is rogue. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court is every bit as rogue as the Florida Supreme Court was. And eventually the U.S. Supreme Court stepped up and took care of it. The Rehnquist Court. Now what will this court do? What will it do? They are stealing an election. Now I want to talk about big tech. Those of us who believe in free markets, this is not a free market. Big tech is protected, as you know, under Rule 230. We've talked about it. We had an FEC commissioner on here to talk about it. If we ever get the, the ability to do it, it needs to be immediately repealed. And administratively, it ought to be watered down as much as humanly possible. But we are empowering, let's just pick on Facebook right now. We're empowering Facebook. There's an alternative to Facebook. It's called Parler. There's an alternative to Twitter. It's called Parler. You have to change your, your behavior and start using Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, and stop using Facebook and Twitter. But Mark, you use Facebook and Twitter. No, I don't. We post simultaneously on all three. But it's parlor where we're focused now, isn't it, Mr. Producer? That's what I'm focused on, parlor. It's the newest, it's the smallest, but we're already, how many, how many followers do I have now? 1.3 million. We added 100,000 in like five days. I really want you folks to move from Facebook and to the extent you're willing from Twitter, even though Twitter hasn't hurt us, but it's really destroying this president. To Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R. You go to Parler, at Mark Levin Show. We need to show them the way we showed professional sports in the NBA, the way we're showing professional football, that we're not going to put up with this crap. Big tech is literally censoring me, censoring the President of the United States, censoring scores and scores of conservatives, and we have this little company called Parlor where we can operate. So go to Parlor, please. This president has done things that nobody expected him to do. The U.S. Senate was supposed to be lost. I want you to think about this. As I recall, there were 33 seats up, 23 of which were Republicans. 23. This was the time Schumer was going to strike. We haven't heard from Schumer in two days, have we, Mr. Producer? Where's Chuck Schumer? He must be hanging out with Hunter Biden. Where's Chuck Schumer? He got his ass kicked. They must have spent billions of dollars on these Senate races and these House races. The likes of which we've never seen before. And the President's right. Funded by Wall Street. Funded by people like Bloomberg. Steyer. Soros, the dark money, where we don't even know where it came from. The liberals like to talk about dark money. They eat dark money. They live on dark money. 
They wipe themselves with dark money, may I say. I think I will. While they complain about it. They wouldn't know what to do without dark money. This is money where people just don't know where it's coming from. Pouring $100 million into a Senate race in South Carolina? $60, $70 million into another Senate race in Kentucky? This is unheard of. Unheard of. Bloomberg going into Florida, dropping $100 million, another $50 million here and there, and that's on top of hundreds of other millions he's already spent. These potentates, these oligarchs of the left, trying to buy this country, but they hate Trump because he interferes with their special relationships. It's funny, they talk about his relationships with dictators. Bloomberg is close to Xi. Obama and Biden worked very closely with Xi. Obama and Biden sold our country out to the communist Chinese. They sold our country out to the fascist Putin. They sold our country out to the Islamo-Nazis in Tehran. And yet they try and tie this president to these dictators. Incredible. We now had a minister over there in Israel who said, if Joe Biden gets his way and he's talking about putting the Iran deal right back in its place, we're going to have a war here. Because Joe Biden is an idiot. He's a nimrod. And yet look at all these votes. I don't see, as a matter of logic, how Trump can be losing these states the way at the last minute, at the 11th hour and 59th minute. And yet we win these House races. We win state legislatures. We hold on to the Senate. And the man who's the juggernaut, the man, the man who, who causes all the rest of this to happen, who's in the lead for the longest time, we're still counting and waiting. And as soon as Georgia shows that, thanks to the voting in Atlanta, that Joe Biden, fair and square, counting the legal votes, won. And then thanks to the votes in Detroit and Michigan that were late, but they just piled on all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Fair and square, to count the legal votes, uh, that, that he loses Michigan. And all of a sudden in Wisconsin, boom, what's it, four in the morning, they drop 138,000 votes, like 99% of which are for Biden, even though uh, Trump is getting a bigger percentage of the black and Hispanic vote than any Republican in God knows how long. T- turns the tide. And then we're waiting in Philadelphia. Oh, Yeah where they cover the windows and they won't let Republicans in or the watch. No, no. And the rules have been changed, not just by the Supreme Court, by the Secretary of State. That Secretary of State dares to talk about the suffrage movement. She dares to talk about the 1965 Voting Rights Act. While she's disenfranchising tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Pennsylvanians by counting votes that shouldn't be counted. So they're neutralizing many of the votes. By the legal votes, may I say. But here's Trump. He helped the Senate. And then what else did I say the other day? Again, it's picked up, but that's okay. I just want to put my markers down. I don't mind the people repeat it. But I work and think for myself. What else? I said, where's everybody who should be defending this president? Where's Mitch McConnell tonight? Where are all these Republicans who go all over Fox and all over TV? Where are they today? Were these members of the House, I mean, you got to give 
the Republican leadership their credit. They've been out there fighting. But where's everybody else? Do they not want to be seen? And as for 2024, let me remind those who want to run, which is like half the Senate and about 10% of the House and many governors. Let me remind you something. An individual can serve up to 10 years as president. Should, God forbid, Donald Trump not win this election, he can run again in 2024. So all you clowns who are lining up to run in 2024, who are sitting on your mouths and aren't saying anything to defend the President of the United States, you might get something that you're not planning on. You might get something you're not planning on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I, uh, I want to give you a little dose of reality. These courts, most of them, you have to remember, they're part of the establishment, too. Many of these judges and justices are part of the establishment, too. John Roberts is now part of the establishment. He's thrown with the Washington crowd. They, they left us on the court, no question about that. The issue is whether Kavanaugh can resist it. Gorsuch, at least in the uh, preliminaries here on these issues, has resisted it. Clarence Thomas, of course, and Alito, of course, have no interest in it. Uh, They just do their job. They look at the Constitution, try and figure out what it says. And then they apply it. I'm hopeful that uh, Amy Coney Barrett's the same way. They're trying to intimidate her. They're they're trying to bully her. They want her to recuse herself. I looked at the uh, rules for recusal. There is absolutely no reason for her to recuse herself. Uh, And she should, as expected, stick to the Constitution. The Constitution couldn't be clear. You know, here's a case where you look at the text of the Constitution, and it's not confusing. There's no ambiguity. None. You know, sometimes it's a little tougher to discern what the uh, framers meant at the time based on the, uh, the common meaning or the public meaning of the words at the time. We know what state legislature meant back then, and we know what it means today. There's nothing complicated, nothing, about the relevant language, about who calls the shots when it comes to elections. If you take the opposite position, that entire section of the Constitution 
is completely whitewashed out of the Constitution. There's no point. There was no point in mentioning the state legislatures because everybody knows state legislatures legislate and that they're courts and governors. They didn't say the state. They said the state legislatures. They didn't say the state. They didn't say the courts. They didn't say anything like a governor. It's the legislature. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the voice liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. Give me a perfect example. I have spent hours this week, two hours today, maybe two hours the other day. I've written about this. Daniel Horitz has written about this. I've written about it in a book, maybe more than one book about the power of the state legislatures under Article 2, to the point where you're probably getting a headache. So over at thehillreporter.com, which is a sleazy operation apparently, somebody named Steph Basil writes this. Mark Levin tells Republican legislators to reject voters' choices, choose Trump electors anyway. Is that what I did, Mr. Producer? I have no idea what the result would be in Pennsylvania or any other state if they were required to actually comply with the Constitution. I have no idea whatsoever. But apparently Steph Basil does. Now, I don't know who this little POS is, but ladies and gentlemen, my words are heard by millions of people We have them on my website within hours of this show on the Daily Recap. And we get these little barnacles who take what I say and spin it. So I'm telling Republican legislators to reject voters' choices, choose Trump electors anyway. Now how persuasive would that be? So Steph Basil is not only a constitutional illiterate. He's a punk. He is a left-wing Democrat dressed up as some kind of a reporter. TheHillReporter.com. And until these entities start self-policing, start saying to these little bastards, hey, look, you're ruining our reputation. You can ruin your own reputation. You already have. What you've written is there for the rest of your life. 
But we have a real enterprise here. We're trying to demonstrate to the public that we're a, report, a journalistic outfit. Until they, until they cleanse themselves and broom scum like this, they're not going to succeed. It's like Media Matters. We know what Media Matters is. It's a cancer brought to us by George Soros and other billionaires. We know the head of Media Matters is a bigot and an anti-Semite. We've seen his past posts. And yet, when that bigot and anti-Semite puts out a statement, or one of his flunkies puts out a statement, the media run with it. He said the other day, I said, don't count the military ballots. Did I say don't count the military ballots, Mr. Producer? I dare anybody to find where I said don't count the military ballots. Or where I told Republican legislators, reject the voters' choices, choose Trump electors anyway. I didn't tell them what kind of electors to choose. And I didn't even tell them to choose any electors. I've said they need to assert themselves under the federal constitution. And then they need to count, I'll add this, they need to count the ballots based on what existing election law was as best as they can. That's pretty close to what the U.S. Supreme Court said. Segregate the votes that are in dispute. We'll deal with that later and count the other ones. But Steph Basil knows who's voted and how. So this is the kind of low IQ sleazeballs that I and others have to deal with. I don't even know what a Steph Basil is. What's a Steph Basil? What's a Steph Basil? Is it like going to the pharmacy? And if you have the runs, I said, look, I need a Steph Basil. I got the runs. Uh, I need a Steph Basil. Do you have any Steph Basils left? Well, they're made in China. I, I, that's all right. I need a Steph Basil. But that's all Steph Basil's good for. Pathetic. And I hope the HillReporter.com admonishes this punk. What I said is what I said, not what he said. It's really quite appalling. But there it is. Oh, it is? Oh, it's not associated with the Hill. It's apparently a left-wing rag. I'm not surprised. Guy named Steph Basil. Steph Basil. If your name was Steph Basil, wouldn't you change your name? I think you'd change your name. If your name is Steph Basil, I, I really disapprove of his parents for calling him Steph. Or maybe it's a her. Think it's a her? I don't know if it's a him or a her. But we're not allowed to know. Whatever she psychologically or he psychologically believes he or she or it is, I guess, is what it is. All right, let's move on. Oh, man, I'm not going to be able to cover everything tonight, but that's all right. Let's take a few calls because I know people are upset, anxious. Others are, let's grit our teeth and fight on. That's kind of my attitude. Let's go to Sharon. Let's see here. Burnsville, Minnesota on XM Satellite. Sharon, how are you? Hi, thank you for taking my call. I'm very glad to speak with you, but I would also like to say that I think Minnesota is more Republican than the poll suggested. There's been mm-hmm. ballot harvested in in Minnesota, and I received two uh, ballots that I didn't ask for and had everything filled out and everything. I just threw it away 
or I threw them away, and I voted on election day. And mm-hmm. I believe it's happening uh, both, uh, I mean, in many... Let, let, let me tell you, Sharon, let me tell you how I know it's happening nationwide. Because these ballots are sent to individuals who are on the, uh, the election rolls. These election rolls are not cleaned. Dead people are not expunged from the rolls. People who move from one street to another, one county to another, sometimes they'll show up two times. People who uh, have a maiden name and then they get married and they take the, uh, the name of the other person or a whole variety of reasons. These rolls are terribly, terribly inaccurate. And they may not even know that somebody moved three weeks ago. And then a family of 43 moved in, perhaps. Who knows? So these roles are very inexact. Uh, I know that Landmark Legal and others, Judicial Watch and so forth, other groups, I wish I knew all their names, have litigated these issues, and they've been opposed. We were opposed by Democrat governors. They don't want to clean their lists. They don't want to clean their lists. And what did I tell Victor Davis Hanson? The Democrats want elections to happen earlier and earlier. And the counting to happen later and later. Have you noticed? Because that way it's harder and harder to to keep things under control. That's why when you vote in person, both parties are there. You have an election judge. And you have other things going on that that oversee and check what's taking place. When you have mail-in ballots, you have nothing. There's no protections. And then when you have a Supreme Court, as in... In Pennsylvania, which has gone rogue like the Florida Supreme Court did in 2000, it says, you know what? The signatures don't match. Don't worry about it. In fact, if there's not a signature, just, uh, just assume it was intended. And if the postmark isn't the date it's supposed to be, well, take it anyway. If there's no postmark, take it. If it's smudged, take it. And you just lower all the barriers. And then they go and they say, count all the legal votes. So they destroy the law. They destroy the law, Sharon, and then they say, count all the legal votes. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I watched the election returns that night, and I was just flabbergasted. All of a sudden, the, um, the Trump was winning all these states, and all of a sudden, all, all, all of a sudden, they say, no, they, they called Arizona, they called uh, some of the other states. I couldn't believe it. And I think he is going to win Arizona. With they, they, I do, too. They, they created a psychological uh, ops, almost, where Florida was, was, was clearly a win, almost 30 minutes in, definitely 60 minutes in, and it sat there till 11 p.m. Ohio was clearly a win, but it sat there. Texas, oh, oh are the Democrats going to take Texas? Nobody believed the Democrats were going to take Texas. And so there you have three hardcore Republican states. But even if they aren't, the vote obvious was obvious. And uh, they sat on it. Because they did, you know, they're given Maryland, Maryland three seconds, Maryland to, to, to uh, Biden. Oh, there's Massachusetts, Biden, New York, Biden, uh, Virginia, Biden, Biden, Biden. And there's uh, Florida. Well, we're not sure, the, uh, the decision desk. What the hell are they talking about? Well, and I think Michigan, too, is going to go in Trump's favor. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think Michigan will go in Trump's favor until it's uh, properly litigated. Not at this point. Yes. Because well, Detroit was just all of a sudden awfully big. and all, all Look at Wisconsin. As Kimberly Strassel pointed out on this program last night, 89% of the registered vote, people voted, 9 out of 10. I don't believe that for two seconds. Well, I think they... Uh, 
Wisconsin, more people so-called voted than were residents of the, of the state. Well, I don't know that that's possible. I said 80, but 89 percent. No, 89 percent of the registered voters voted. And I don't believe that. All right. Appreciate your call, Sharon. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, we're going to keep fighting, but president's going to keep fighting. We need to back the president as he keeps fighting. Oh, yes. We're very, very lucky to have this man, I'm telling you. Very, very lucky to have this man. Looks like they're trying to steal a Senate race in Michigan as well. It's an amazing. John Jones is an African-American. He served in the military, small businessman. John James, I meant. I like John Jones. But John James... Uh, and, of course, um, they try to defeat him. Then they say, well, look at this. The De- Republicans, all they have is white people. When, in fact, it's the Democrat Party that gets, uh, well, maybe now 85% of the black vote. And all I see is white people in, con- in the uh, United States Senate. But here was an excellent, excellent man. Content of his character was exceptional and is exceptional. I've heard it said that this stuff about the... Uh, the segregating of ballots in Philadelphia, that all the comments about uh, them not segregating are not true. That's just, you know, people getting freaked out. No, the point is they are segregating them, but they're also counting the votes from them. The litigation in Pennsylvania has a real basis. There's a real purpose to it. There's real lawyers there. They're doing real work. I happen to know one. She's very independent. My wife. Nothing about this is fake. These aren't conspiracy theories. And it'll all be tested in court, whether the judges are establishment or intellectually corrupt or not. You can't go into court and say, hey, there's a lot of fraud going on here. You have to have some evidence. And evidence is in the form of witnesses, real, live, physical witnesses, or real serious documents like affidavits signed under the penalty of perjury. And that's exactly what's taking place. So let's stop pretending that things aren't going on when things are going on. The question is how broadly are they going on. And you know it's serious when Facebook and Twitter are censoring the President of the United States and anybody 
who dares to bring up what's taking place. These companies have committed suicide. They've committed suicide. The day will come. The day will come when their, their abuse of power, their involvement in in-kind contributions and elections, you recall I came up with that theory, uh, is going to be addressed. If ExxonMobil were doing this, if Apple were doing this, if U.S. Steel were doing this, everybody would be up in arms. Well, big tech is no different. Big tech is no different. On the one hand, they lure you in, creating a platform. You help them build up their business. They steal data from you. They steal personal information from you, and they turn around and they sell it without your knowledge. They've become multi-billionaires, the punks who've created these sites, because they haven't had competition, because they haven't had lawsuits. They protected themselves 30-some years ago, 25 years ago. And they've abused their power. This isn't about free markets. There's no free market here. These are oligopolies. Each in their own are a monopoly, but together it's an oligopoly that has special privileges from the federal government. And they steal your information. You help them build up these sites. Millions and millions. The President of the United States has 87 million Twitter followers. And look how they treat him. Look how they treat him. I don't come closer to that, but we have millions of people who follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And so they're going to sit there and have these phony third-party groups, all of them leftists, Pass judgment on my opinions? On what information I use to share with you? That's their role? I can tell you now. If I'd ever known that, there's no way I would have built up my site on, on Facebook, Mr. Producer. No way. Go to Parlor, Please, go to Parlor. That's where I want all the patriots and Levinites to go. The people who believe in free speech, you can post whatever you want. They're not going to bother you. They're not going to ding you. I mean, unless you're, you know, posting pornography or something. But we leave that to Hunter Biden and his family. Go to Parler. At Mark Levin Show. Parler. Everybody who's following me on Facebook and Twitter, go to Parler. Parler. At Mark Levin Show. Do it right now. Let's all, let's all gather there. We salute our armed forces, police officers, and firefighters. And we salute the lawyers out there who are defending our republic on behalf of the president and the campaign and us. And all the state legislators who are finally, hopefully, going to stand up and assert their constitutional authority. See you tomorrow, America. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.